Thanks for listening to the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry, here to help educate, motivate, and put you on the right path to take control of your health through weekly discussions on topics in the medical field, public health arena, and in your community. And now your host, Dr. Barry. And welcome to another edition of the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry. I'm your host, Dr. Barry Pierre, your favorite board certified internist. Founder of DrBarryPierre.com, as well as the CEO of Pierre Medical Consulting, helping you empower yourself for better health with the number one podcast for patient advocacy, education, and affirmation. This week, we bring you a guest, Dr. Nicole Rochester, who's a board-certified pediatrician, and most importantly, she is an independent health advocate, a TEDx and keynote speaker, as well as the CEO of Your GPS Doc. And I bring her on the show today to talk about this global pandemic disease, COVID-19, but most importantly, its effect on the African-American community. Um, I can tell you, I've been having a chance to follow Dr. Nicole for the better part of the year. Uh, she is an amazing at what she does, especially with her promotion of uh, education and affirmation and empowering. Of course, you know, my, my motto, Empower So That Helps, so this is definitely something that drew me uh, to Dr. Nicole. Uh, but what really kind of took it over the top and what finally, you know, allowed me to get her on the show well, she did this amazing video discussion on the effects that COVID-19 is having on the African-American community and how there's a lot of structural uh, racism and a lot of other issues that have kind of led us to this point. And we kind of talked before the recording how uh, most of us weren't really surprised uh, by what was going on. You know, I think we were more surprised that more people were surprised uh, that uh, COVID-19 was affecting African-American communities at a much more significant rate than it was uh, any other community. And when we think about it, we'll talk about it uh, throughout the show. Uh, we'll give multiple reasons why that is. Um, again, so Dr. Nicole, again, her big thing for us is she is uh, committed to promoting health literacy and empowering patients and family caregivers across the globe. Uh, she blogs on her website, yourgpsdoc.com. Again, she's active on social media. She actually has this uh, live weekly Facebook show that I want you guys to check out, Navigator Nuggets uh, by uh, Dr. Nicole. So uh, definitely check that out again. I think you guys will be in for an amazing treat on today's episode uh, here on the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry. And just remember, if you have not had a chance, remember to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a five-star review and a comment to let us know how well um, you know, we did on uh, today's show, or honestly, how uh, let's say even if you hated today's show, let us know uh, that you hated today's show that we uh, we know we can do and improve and uh, get better for next week. So let's uh, get ready for another amazing episode here with uh, Dr. Nicole on the Lunch we Learn with Dr. Barry. This podcast is sponsored by the Lunch and Learn Community Merchandise Store, living out the motto, empower yourself for better health. At the store, you can get your favorite t-shirts, coffee mugs, even wristbands, and more. For a limited time, you can get 10% off your next purchase using the coupon code EMPOWER10. That's EMPOWER10, E-M-P-O-W-E-R-10. Just go to shop.drbarrypr.com to pick up your purchase and get 10% off today. And remember, 50% of your purchases will be donated to the Five Star Scholarship Foundation, a nonprofit organization for high school students. 
All right, Lunch and Learn community, um, you just heard another amazing introduction uh, by a guest who I've been ghost following for quite some time. I follow her on Instagram, I follow her on LinkedIn. Um, I just subscribed to her YouTube page as well. And um, I watched a video of hers that really struck me, struck a chord with me, especially with, depending on when you listen to this, if you listen to this when it first comes out or you listen to this six months later, um, you know, we are kind of knee deep. Uh, into the global pandemic that the coronavirus is causing. And, you know, her, her video was just something that kind of struck me and said, you know what, I need to see if I could bring this expertise on the show, really to kind of give a different perspective. Um, you guys hear me talk all the time, right? And uh, I love to be able to bring my guests on to kind of give their perspective on what's kind of going around uh, so everything, especially here globally, especially here locally, and especially especially for, uh, you know, my, my communities of color. So Dr. Nicole, thank you for, uh, one, accepting the invite and, and joining the Lunch Link community. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me, Dr. Pierre. I'm excited. So, Dr. Nicole, I, I always give a, your introductions uh, in, you know, on my introduction, and I have a lot of guests who love to speed right through it, right to get right to the main show. Um, for those who sped through it, or maybe to listen to it kind of haphazardly, what's something that, you know, you, you'd want someone to know about you right before, you know, if, if that's the case, they say, you know what, I like her bio, but like, I really like that fact toy she kind of told us. Yeah, I think probably one of the most interesting things about me is that I'm a board certified pediatrician who left clinical medicine, uh, I guess now two and a half years ago, to become an independent health advocate. And that's a field that really isn't very well known, even within the health community. Um, And interestingly, it was sparked by my caregiving experience with my dad. So now, you know, my clients are mostly either elderly individuals or the individuals that care for them. So it's like a complete transformation to go from my former obsession with the babies and kids um, and thinking that honestly, thinking I never would want to work with <laughs> older adults. And now that's really the focus of uh, my health advocacy practice. And what I love is I definitely had a very opposite tone when I was going through my training, understanding that, you know what, kids are probably not going to be uh, who I want to work with. And honestly, what I don't even think it was really about the kids. I think it was the parents uh, that did enough for me, uh, especially I'm a I'm father of three. So I can only imagine uh, me on the other side, you know, you know, bothering my pediatrician left or right. So that's why I said, you know, let me go to internal medicine uh, where they're yes. old there. And most of the patients can speak back to me. Uh, that's, that's the route I want to go. Um, so when you, when you had the transformation, I definitely want to talk about that, especially before we kind of get into the meat of, of our topic today. That, that transformation, especially dealing with your father, being the caretaker of your father and kind of understanding like, you know what, um, I don't like this side of the coin, right? And, and if I, I'm in the field, I'm in the business and I'm kind of experiencing the way I'm experiencing, like what made you say, you know, what, I got to like step out there in? Yeah, um, honestly, it was just, it was pure frustration, anger you know, sadness. And like you said, you know, what I kept saying to myself over and over again, I'm a physician. One of my older sisters is a nurse and has extensive background in like nurse administration. So two of the, and my other sister is not in medicine at all, but so then, and the three of us care for our dad together. So two of the three of us had, you know, a really solid medical background. And yet we still struggled often with you know navigating my dad's care and and most importantly like advocating and getting him the things that he needed and so what I started to realize um, after the first few months of caring for my dad is that when I would mention that I was a physician 
or if in my conversation, you know, maybe a, ter- a term that I used would kind of let on that I was in the medical field, then suddenly I was taken much more seriously. And so each time I would successfully negotiate something that my dad needed purely because I was a doctor, it honestly pissed me off. And, and it just made me think about all the millions of other caregivers who don't have an MD or a DO after their name or an RN. And I just realized how unfair it was. And I kept thinking, if it's this difficult for me, and if you know I'm asking questions that the average layperson doesn't even know to ask, I'm escalating matters because I work in hospitals and I know, you know that everybody has a boss. So I just felt compelled. I mean, after my dad passed away, you know, I continued to work as a pediatric hospitalist, but I was forever changed. And I just kept honestly getting like these, what I would call like a spiritual calling, but I couldn't ignore it. I just kept getting this feeling that I was supposed to be doing something else. And like friends and family members would often kind of reach out and ask me questions about their loved one. And I would, you know, give advice and then go back to what I was doing. And then I started realizing a pattern like, okay, Nicole, you actually have a gift in this area and you can help more than just the, your friends and family members. I love it. And, and sometimes, especially in, especially in medicine, but we're just in life in general. Sometimes we have this calling that like forces us to kind of move out of this comfort zone that we typically have. And uh, again, yours happened to be kind of in the same field. And I'm pretty sure you have plenty of people who are really happy right? That you made uh, the change, right? Which is, which is always very satisfying when you make that leap that you were kind of scared to make. And then people are like, thank you uh, for really getting out of your own way, uh, accepting the fear that you had to go into, I guess, would it be kind of uncharted waters? Like this, this, the the process that you do now, or was it like, did you have a mentor? What was, what was that process kind of moving in that direction? Yeah, I didn't even, you know, I knew what I wanted to do, but honestly, I didn't even know that there was kind of an established field. But once I started doing some research, you know, I discovered that there are actually professional organizations for health advocacy. And actually, in the last year and a half or so, there's now a board certification. So the field has kind of rapidly grown and developed since I've entered it. But at the time, I just did a lot of, you know, I, I, I'm a Google queen. And um, I listened to a lot of podcasts in terms of like the business aspect and read a lot of books. And I didn't, I didn't really have a formal mentor, but I definitely have had even other physician entrepreneurs who have poured into me and, you know, business coaches and things that have really just kind of helped me with my, my mindset, which was very important. You know, leaving clinical medicine and going into entrepreneurship is huge. Yes. And, and as one where uh, I love that I'm seeing more and more of our physician colleagues uh, really make that leap uh, because especially because our training, our training is, you know, patient, 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 take care of the patient, kind of head down focus. And and I, I tell people all the time, like they don't teach us as much business that's around us and as much business that is literally predicated on me signing a piece of paper. Um, you would think that they would also teach me about the business surrounding that, but like it doesn't happen. So I, I love when I see uh, my physician colleagues say, you know what, like I'm ready to make expand and I'm ready to be just kind of more, you know, shout out to Dr. Me more than a doc outside the box, right? Like I, I'm more to do that. Yes. Right? So definitely uh, excited for everything that's kind of really going your way. And obviously here at Lunch Learning Community, we love our physicians uh, who do that. Uh, especially our health advocates, right? Because a big thing for us is, you know, empower yourself for better health, right? And that's 
that's what you do, right? You're about empowering, empowering, and getting someone to that next level that um, sometimes there's roadblocks that they don't even realize the roadblocks are in front of them. That's exactly right. And what was interesting, especially kind of the segue, right? Because I, I love the segues. Um, when I when I came I came across your video and I watched it and I was like, okay, yes, I need her, I need Dr. Nicole to come talk uh, on to the lunch learning community because there's a lot of information going out right now. Again, depending on when you're listening to this, um, as far as this global pandemic, right, the coronavirus, right. Again, if 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 this is your first time listening to the lunch learning community, we've talked about this ad nauseum. So we're just going to kind of assume you kind of know at least skeleton wise what the coronavirus is, right? Unless somehow, somewhere you've been able to avoid TV, avoid radio, avoid the internet. Like somehow, if you somehow been able to do all of that, um, uh, then one, God bless you, right? And uh, two, we're just going to assume that you do, right? But now we're starting to get a lot more reports, right? And these, this is some information that we've kind of been asking for. We as kind of health professionals have been kind of asking for, like, all right, what does the data show um, as far as who is affected by the coronavirus, um, and who, who who is more at risk for it, right? Because that's 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 the question. That's the million dollar question that everyone wants to know. Who is at risk for this yes. uh, disease? And we're starting to get more and more information that says that if you're a person of color, specifically African American, um, you might not do well, right, with the coronavirus. Um, first of all, what are your thoughts on that, right? Well, let's, let's get your. I want to kind of get your thoughts on that before we kind of go and uh, you know tease out. You know, the information sure. is there. Well, you know, like you and I talked about a little bit offline, um, I was not surprised. You know, you weren't surprised. I weren't surprised. Most of our uh, physicians of color were not surprised. Um, and, you know, it was it was almost like the we were waiting to, to get the data, but we already kind of knew ahead of time. I mean, I was definitely sad. And even though I wasn't surprised, I was very saddened to hear the statistics, um, especially the degree to which African Americans are being disproportionately impacted. And I think for me, what, what made me even more sad was to hear from some colleagues that described, you know, difficulties with um, African Americans being tested. And, you know, that just made me put on my health advocacy hat and, you know, knowing that you know, you have to meet certain criteria and even, you know, having to have a primary care doctor. Well, not everybody has a primary care doctor. So, you know, not only are we more at risk because of how we uh, tend to have more heart disease and asthma and obesity and, you know, all the other pre-existing conditions, but just the very nature in which we encounter the healthcare system and the implicit bias that we know exists and how, you know, we often are not listened to in medical settings um, just really caused me to have great alarm during this pandemic. That's interesting. I had a prior guest, Dr. Kristen, um, who, who, and we talked about kind of the implicit bias really associated with uh, the coronavirus. And at that time, we were just really talking about really, you know, how the Asian community was being affected. And this is before all of the African-American stuff um, kind of came out, mm-hmm. just, just the, the stigma, like they were now getting the stigma of uh, the, the coronavirus kind of being placed on them and some of their experiences they were getting. And, and then the news f- starts coming out, right? Starts coming out where, and for some reason in this city, even though it only makes up 14%, almost 70% of the people um, are dying who happen to be African-American. And then you start seeing more and more similar numbers in different cities. And, and again, I, I think I was 
again, I, I we talked about it before. I think I was more shocked that people were more shocked uh, at the rate. And you kind of yeah. touched on it before, like, and you, obviously we're talking about the coronavirus now, but you talked about, you know, asthma and obesity and diabetes and hypertension, all these other things there, which I think a lot of times people don't realize are the end products of issues more than the primary, like, source on it. And, and I love, I loved in your video when you talked about that, you talked about, like, like why, why, unfortunately, we're looking at the end result, aka what coronavirus is but not looking at what's unfortunately putting especially people um uh, of our communities at a much more higher risk to deal with that absolutely yeah i mean we you know we blame african-americans for being obese but we place them in communities where there are food deserts you know they don't have fresh you know farmers markets and they don't have fresh vegetables and fruits and if they have it in their community, you know, if they're blessed enough to have a real grocery store and not just a corner store, um, then who can afford that? You know, I'm, I'm, I know when I go to the grocery store, you know, and I, I my salary is okay. Um, but, you know, sometimes I'm looking at the organic versus the non-organic or, you know, th- th- the things that are the healthiest foods for us cost a lot more money. And that's all by design. Um, so they don't have access to the healthy foods and or they cannot afford those healthier options. And then we have, um, you know, lack of green spaces, lack of safe spaces. And so, you know, we blame them for lack of exercise and things like that. All the things that contribute to the obesity epidemic among African-American communities, you know, the same argument can be made for diabetes and heart disease. Um, And so, you know, we, we, I just find that we tend to blame the victim and we often don't acknowledge, or others often don't acknowledge, all of the societal, you know, policies and all of the things that have gone into why we are where we are today. And what's interesting, and you know, I ask you, especially in your in your setting where you're at now, as the advocate you are, um, what has been some of the, I guess, some of the 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 the, the hurdles that you've had to help people kind of climb over. Right. To get them to this realization. Right. Because obviously, again, a lot of us are are, here. We were kind of we were on this other side, just kind of waiting for people to come on. Um, But what were some of the hurdles that you had to help people get over for them to realize, like, wow, okay, that's all right. I I get your point. Like, I can see like how y'all would be much more disproportionately uh, affected uh, by this disease, whatever this disease is, uh, than others. You're, you're asking how, what kind of hurdles I've had to get the individuals mm-hmm. over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of it, my, my biggest thing when I'm working with clients is, is helping to empower them. I think a lot of people don't see their role as being integral on the healthcare team, particularly in minority communities. Um, and a lot of times, not that they trust the doctor necessarily, but they do still kind of put doctors and nurses and other healthcare professionals on a pedestal. And so that in doing so, they kind of give up some of their inherent power. And so I spent a lot of time helping individuals understand that you really are in control of your health. You know, you have a lot more power than you think. And that just because you don't have a medical degree, just because you didn't, you know, you don't have all these letters after your name you still know your body better than anyone else and you should know your health conditions better than anyone else. So I really try to empower my clients to um, become intimately familiar with their own health conditions, with their risks, 
for health conditions with their medications, you know, the side effects, everything related to their health. Because I, I find that when you present in that medical setting, and it, when it's obvious that you have knowledge, um, you know, about your condition, when you can speak relatively intelligently, you are treated differently than the person that says, well, I don't know, or, you know, being very vague about symptoms. Um, and it's, that's just a fact. Um, you're not, you're taken much more seriously when you come across as someone who is knowledgeable, when you come across as someone who is invested in your own care, when you ask questions, you know, all of these things are really important. And, you know, they are playing a role, I think, when it comes to the coronavirus pandemic as well. And you, you mentioned um, as far as, and I, I love I love the, the relationship when you talked about making sure that we understood the difference between what health equality was uh, versus half health equity, right? Yeah. Um, can, can you uh, kind of expound upon that, especially for the lunch learning community, so just so we're, we can kind of make sure we're, our minds are, are fully wrapped around it and understanding that like what our goals really should be, especially when we're trying to sure. em- empower ourselves and, you know, get ourselves, you know, healthy. Yeah, absolutely. So health equality versus health equity with health equality, it's everybody being given the exact same thing. And this kind of goes to this, you know, what the thought that, well, you all have the same access as me, or you have this, or you're, we're all Americans, you know, all these all these falsehoods that we hear. So that's this concept that everybody is just given the same thing. And then health equity really means I'm going to give you what you need so that you can achieve your optimal health. So the example I gave in the video was, um, you know, there's a lot of graphics, but there's a picture of, you know, a tall tree with fruit on it. And if you picture a tall man, an average size woman and and a kid, And, you know, the tall man could stand under that tree and just reach his arm up and grab all the fruit he needs, or at least the low-lying fruit, right? But that lady is, you know, maybe six inches or more shorter than him. She can jump up and reach all she wants. She's not going to get that fruit. So she needs to be provided with some help, a little step stool. And the kid may need, you know, somebody to actually carry him, put put him on their shoulders, or maybe he needs to stand up on five crates, you know, in order to be at the same height. And so that's the health equity where you can see, you know, the the guy is just standing on his own feet. The woman maybe is on a stool and the kid is on three boxes. So at the end, they're all at a level playing field. And that really is the issue with health disparities um, in the United States is that we are not on a level playing field. We have never been on a level playing field. And in 2020, we still are not. And so we can't expect the person who is, you know, feet away from the fruit and then blame them. Why aren't you getting the fruit? And that's that's what we do. <laughs> what's your problem? Like, what's your problem? Just eat. It's right there. Like just grab exactly. it. Like, <laughs> the tree is right there. Yeah, it's like well, just this jump. Like can't you just get it? Like see me. Look, that's right. Hilarious. So 2020 comes right. We're in 2020, and we've been hit with a global pandemic, uh, with a virus that. We're not sure where where it started. We're not sure where it came from. Maybe kind of where it came from, uh, but it's here, right? And it's affecting uh, across the country. And when, when we talk about just kind of the health disparities, health disparities that are kind of put in front of us, right? That um, you know allow some of the discrepancies, right? And lunch learning community. When we talk about discrepancies, you know, again, I, I kind of mentioned it. You have communities where 
maybe the population of African Americans, you know, are less than 20%, less than 50%. Uh, but they're making up a majority of the cases of the coronavirus, right? If that percent makes absolutely no sense in that sense there. Um, can you talk about what are some of, what are some of kind of the structural, uh, you know, roadblocks that are in our way that are, that are kind of leading up uh, to these kind of health disparities, especially when we talk about the coronavirus. It's like, what are some of the things that, are, and unfortunately, have been affecting us um, that, that have not allowed us to get the type of care that we should be getting? Well, I think, I mean, if we start with why are we um, even disproportionately impacted? Because you have, you know, you have exposure, then you have infection, and then you have, okay, who gets sick, you know, when they're infected mm-hmm. and then who's dying, and just exposure wise, you know, again, I, I think about my own privileged life. I'm, I've been working from home for, well, actually I work from home anyway, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> I'm able to work from home. You know, many of my friends and family members are able to work from home. Well, many people in the African-American community are employed in the types of positions and industries where they don't have the luxury of just staying home. So even at the crux of you know, the advice is social distancing, you know, stay home, stay home, stay six feet apart. You know, many people aren't able to do that. And so, you know, if you are uh, driving, you know, for public transportation, or if you're a factory worker, or you work in a grocery store or whatever, you don't have that luxury of just quitting your job and staying home and not having an income for your family. Or, you know, even we've talked about some of the recommendations, if someone in your home becomes sick, or if you become sick, Go isolate yourself. You know, they want you to have your own bedroom, your own bathroom. Well, that's assuming that we all live in, you know, four or five bedroom homes with multiple bathrooms and a separate basement where somebody can go quarantine themselves. You know, if you're in a one bedroom apartment with five people, everybody's going to get it. If one person gets it, that whole family is going to be impacted. So, I mean, that has to do with kind of like the exposure and the infection. And then, when it comes to, um, you know, treatment or even being tested, you know, a lot of the early on, a lot of times you, you had to have an, an order from your physician. Well, yeah, you can go to the ER, but they're telling us to stay home. And the African-American community is listening to this. You know, they're, they don't want to go to the ER. They don't want to be um, around the sicker people. So what if you don't have a primary care doctor? How do you even, you know, if you wake up with a cough or you're feeling a little short of breath, you have a fever if you don't have a primary care doctor, how are you going to get that order to get tested? Um, I talked on the, my video about driving sites. Well, what if you don't own a car? You know, so, and, and then a lot of the testing sites have, in my opinion, strategically been placed in the more wealthy, more affluent, you know, white neighborhoods. And so, you know, many in our community don't even really have easy access to the testing, I've heard from from individuals who have said that people were turned away. People with classic COVID nineteen. Let me be more clear: African Americans with clear COVID nineteen symptoms um, have been turned away and have been told that you don't need a test. Um, you know, and then you think about if you are sick enough to present to the emergency room, or even if you're hospitalized, um, you know, are are you being treated differently? Are we being offered some of the experimental therapies, you know, are we being enrolled in clinical trials? Um, are, are, are we able to really advocate for ourselves? Do we even know to ask for those certain things? Are we being sent home with the vital signs that maybe someone else would be kept for? You know, there's just all, there's all these steps that go into proper management for coronavirus. 
And I'm just very worried that African-Americans, in addition to all the barriers we've already talked about, that even when they present for care, are we getting the same care? And if we use, you know, pain and if we use cancer and all, if we use all the other examples and the studies that are, have already been done that show that African-American patients with the exact same disease, the same presentation are not given adequate therapy, then I have to presume that that same thing is happening with coronavirus. I love that you broke it down in really those three separate stages that uh, you can see that we where we would fall out in multiple stages. I, as a hospitalist physician, um, for those who may not know lunch and community members, like when you go to the hospital, right? Like, cause I, I see you, uh, hopefully when the ER doc says, you know what, this is the person I should test. Uh, but a lot of times you're alone, right? And, mm-hmm. and the reason why you're alone one is because we're not, most hospitals aren't even allowing visitors uh, to come to the hospital anymore. So you are, have solely been thrown into the position of your own personal health advocate. That's um, right. And imagine being in a world where you can't rely on a family member who's typically right there, typically is very knowledgeable, typically knows like, no, you need to say it this way versus that way. Because if you, like, imagine that position. That's what uh, patients across the country are being thrown into. And, and, and that's and again, that's that starts in the beginning. Right. That starts when uh, you yes. know, the lack of education, the lack of, you know, kind of knowing that you needed to be your own personal self. Right. And which is again, which is why I was so drawn to you. Because you, because you like again, I'm all about power yourself for better health, and you're all about that, right? So I was like, okay, yeah, this is this is like a match made in heaven. Like I got to have on the show, and, and seeing the many and lunch learning community heard the many different stages that you can fall out, and mm-hmm. and it's a clear, it's clear, it's not even like we're not even like hypothesizing anymore. It's clear that we are falling out in a lot of these different stages, right? You pick one, we're falling out, right? Yes. And. And that's where, and that's why I like to be this kind of the sounding board. And um, again, that's why I want to kind of amplify your voice um, as kind of kind of screaming from the rooftops. Like we need to, like, be in charge of our own self because clearly, right? Allowing the system is unfortunately not designed for us um, in this state of healthcare. And you kind of mentioned it, right? Where there's this lack of trust, right? We 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 can go all the way back to hair relax, the syphilis experience. Like we we and uh, one thing we have is very good memory, right? Yes. So 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 we remember uh, when we weren't treated fairly, and we remember when we were just treated as experiments. We remember all of that, and, and we 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 get that type of message gets passed on, and that type of practice gets packed up, passed on. And unfortunately, in 2020, we are being um, you know, severely affected by it. Absolutely. From, from your perspective, right? Knowing, knowing that, I guess now that the world knows, right? I guess, I guess for some reason must've been our kind of dirty secret, uh, that people of color were going to be affected, <laughs> uh, much more about the coronavirus than, you know, everyone else right now, for some reason, the world is like woken up, right? Um, what do we do now, right? Like, what do we do to try to, uh, and I guess, and I guess, I have a twofold question: um, What do we do to try to right the ship? And do you feel it's even possible? Right. So I guess uh, just to put you on the spot, right? Like, <laughs> well, is it possible? Um, I, I have to believe. You know, I mean, I don't. I I am generally a very optimistic person, even in spite of everything that we're going through right now. And I just have to believe that we can at least partially write the ship. You know, I refuse to believe that there is nothing 
that we can do. But you and I know, I mean, this, it didn't take five years or six months to get to where we are. And so, you know, it's going to take many, many more years, um, maybe not even in our lifetime before, you know, there really is true equity in, in healthcare. But I, there definitely are some things that everyone can do, particularly communities of color. And, you know, I talked about this in my video. I, I like to use the GPS system. And it's literally three things that every single person can do during this coronavirus pandemic and beyond to really advocate for yourself and for your family members. And the G is to gather information. So, you know, we, this is not a time when you can be a passive bystander in your healthcare. You cannot necessarily trust that the person on the other side of that stethoscope has your best interests at heart. And I'm not trying to create Mm you know, like mistrust because most, <laughs> most doctors, most doctors really, really want to do the right thing. I mean, let me just make that very clear before we go further. I'm a physician. I love physicians. I love my colleagues and most really want to do the right thing. But we know that a doctors and healthcare providers are extremely stressed out right now in light of this coronavirus pandemic. Resources are being stretched and we know that there's implicit bias. So no matter how good of a person you think you are, there are subconscious things going on that you're not even aware of that may impact how well you're listening to the person in front of you and the decisions that you're making. So the gathering of information is really just, you know, asking questions, always, always asking questions and and not just accepting that first answer, Um, you know, being very clear, um, asking, you know, like I gave examples, if you're in the hospital, if you're in the ER, they're saying you can go home, then you want to ask questions. Okay, doctor, what is my heart rate? What is my respiratory rate? What is my pulse ox? What is a normal pulse ox? Or, you know, and if so, if they're telling you your pulse ox is 92 and you can go home, then you need, okay, what's normal? Well, you just told me 97, 98 is normal. Why is 92 okay? You know, and you just need to constantly ask questions and really become as educated as you can about the coronavirus, about, you know, when you need to be hospitalized, if you're being sent home, what do you need to be doing in your home to care for yourself? What are the things you need to look out for um, so that you can go back? Because a lot of times I hear you know, from people that, well, the doctor said I was fine. Well, you were fine in that moment, but that doesn't mean if you get worse the next day or you know, even six hours later that you just sit in your house. Like You need to know what are the things that I need to look out for and what should concern me? When, do, when should I call? When should I call 911? When should I go back to the hospital? Um, so, so the gathering of information is extremely important. And then the P is to position yourself as an expert. And this goes back to what I was saying is that you need to be the expert in your own healthcare, your own body, your own medical conditions. So if you're somebody who doesn't know the names of the medications that you take, if you don't know the health conditions that you have now is a great time to brush up on all of that information because we know that certain individuals are at increased risk. And so the doctors are relying on your history, the information that you provide to decide, are you in a high risk category? Are you in a lower risk category? I would hate that somebody would be sent home from the ER because they didn't know to say that they had heart surgery, you know, when they were eight years old or that they have diabetes or, you know, kidney disease or any other problem. Um, So we really have to make sure that we are intimately familiar with our own health conditions so that we can position ourselves as an expert when we are, you know, in those medical settings. 
And then the S is to stand up for yourself, which is probably the most important thing that I can share is, you know, again, you're the expert. And so you have to trust your gut. You have to actively engage. And if you don't, if something doesn't make sense, you need to ask questions, explain it. And if you don't agree, or if you're not sure, you can't just shrink and back down and say, oh, well, they're the doctor or they're the nurse. I'm just the patient. Um, Now more than ever, we really have to be strong advocates for ourselves and our family members and, and really make sure that you are not leaving that encounter until you are completely comfortable with all of the information that you've been given with, you know, knowing how you're going to manage your care if you're not being kept in the hospital. So, I mean, it's a huge burden to bear, but now more than ever, you know, we have to take that on. We cannot just relinquish that responsibility to others who, you know, just may not have our best interests at heart or maybe so distracted and burned out and all the other things that, you know, they're just not able to provide the best care. I love it. And, and first of all, I actually love all, you know, all kind of all three pillars when, when you're working with patients and when you're just talking to patients and clients and family members, is there any one of those pillars that you see, especially, you know, people of color in African-American community tend to falter one more than the other, or is it just kind of like this, combination where like we're all just that down bad for (laughs) yeah you know i i think i think probably i mean it depends honestly because my clients have you know they vary in terms of their ethnicity in terms of their socioeconomic status but i think a lot of people um fall short with the positioning yourself as an expert you know a lot of times they don't know the names of procedures that they had, or they don't know the names of the medications, or they're not familiar with, you know, certain side effects. And, and so like, those are all the things that really kind of help you really um, be at the center of your own medical team. And so I think that the education part is, is often lacking. Honestly, I think it's all three, because a lot of times I find that people They don't want to ask questions, particularly the older generation. You know, they are very respectful and they they'll say things like, well, I didn't want to bother him or, you know, he had already answered it once, but I didn't understand. I didn't want or they don't want to appear to be, you know, silly or I didn't want to look dumb. And so a lot of times, you know, they're just they're not they're pretending in the office that they understand. And and my dad used to do this. I mean, it drove me crazy, you know, before I was formerly his caregiver. He would go to the doctors and then he'd come home and I'd call him up and say, you know, hey, daddy, like, what did the doctor say? Oh, man. And he'd be absolutely <laughs> clueless. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, well, he said he's going to start me on something, but I can't remember the name of it. And he said I need some test. But I don't. And I'm like, why didn't you ask him? <laughs> like, Why did you leave that exam room without, you know, making sure that you clearly understood? So. I, oh, that, I don't, that, that, as a as a because I used to do outpatient medicine before I went inpatient. And, and that was one of the things I realized very quickly out of, out of residency is that like I would I would walk out the room and say, oh, um, by the way, tell me what I just said. And then just the look, the blank look on some of my patients face. I'm like, you, you know what we're going to do for you, right? And then I'm like, OK, hold on. Let me let me go over again. Like I, I was I was genuinely shocked and surprised how many people will leave your office and have no clue what y'all talked about, even though you could, and, and we're not talking about like, Oh, I was only in there two minutes. Five. No, I could be in there 15 minutes, 20 minutes. And it yes. didn't matter. Like this, this yeah. second they leave it's as 
they just, I, I don't know what happened, but. Exactly. And that's why I really encourage people to take notes, you know, either in a notebook or on your smartphone or your tablet, because we know that I think there's some, some statistics that say like 15% of the information that people only retain about 15% of the information. And if you pair that up with stress, I mean, you know, if you're going in like now, I mean, if you're going to the doctor for suspected coronavirus or if you're in the hospital, you're, you're, you have all that stress and worry and anxiety, and that's going to really impact the amount of information that you're able to retain. And so I always recommend that my clients write every single thing down so that afterwards they can look back over their notes and kind of refresh their memory. Some people like to record visits, but yeah, you're right. I mean, people don't, they don't remember a lot, but then they're also reluctant to just be honest. And so I, I, kudos to you for doing the teach back, you know, again, these are techniques that we all learn in medical school, you know, teach back to ask the patient and their family, okay, what did I just say? You know, what are you going to do if this particular, but in reality, you know, for all, we don't even have time to talk about <laughs> the healthcare system and yes. all the flaws, but you know, our, our, the, our, the doctors, another show, another show. Do we they, can do another show. <laughs> yeah. They don't have the time to be able to employ all of these techniques that we know have been shown to, you know, improve health literacy. And that's why I'm saying it's, I mean, it just takes us back to what we were just saying. That's why it's so important that the patient takes on some of that responsibility because, um, you know, the doctors just can't, they, I mean, they literally cannot. So Dr. Kobe, first of all, I want to thank you for really imparting a lot of words of wisdom today. Um, I, I know my lunch interview is actually absolutely floored by just kind of like the, your, 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 cause we can hear the passion uh, that you have um, when, when speaking on the need to be empowered, to need the need to be your own advocate, right? So definitely want to, first of all, thank you for, for, for that aspect and really welcome. just kind of imparting your education here on Lunch in the Community. Before you go though, right? Because um, I, I love my Lunch in the Community members that kind of always follow my guests and see what my guests are doing. We kind of talked about it in the beginning, right? So right now, um, like you're, so you work from home, you're, you're, you're a patient advocate, caretaker advocate, um, what are, what are, what are some of the things that, you know, where can people find you? Obviously, again, like I said, I, I, I was, I, community, I was ghost following her on, um, I think Facebook <laughs> and Instagram. Um, cause she, she, like, literally, especially those who follow me, you know, I post a lot and she probably, she, every time I'm like, oh, yep, that's another one. Oh, I, okay. <laughs> so, I, which I absolutely love again, absolutely love it. Um, where can people find you, follow you, you know, hear your message? Obviously, the video that we were kind of referencing throughout the, the show, um, Legendary Community, it will be in the show notes because I need you to, when I need you to go to her YouTube page, I need you to subscribe to her YouTube page. I need you to like and comment on that video because, like I said, it was a phenomenal video as well. So where, where can people track you down, hawk you down, and what's next for you? Well, thank you. I, I Let me just say again, thank you so much for having me on your show, which is an amazing show. I've been ghost following you too and, <laughs> and really following your guests. So I appreciate the opportunity. Um, I'm on social media as, as your GPS doc. So Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, uh, they can find me, your GPS doc. My website is www.yourgpsdoc.com. I'm on LinkedIn. They can just search Nicole Rochester. Um, I have a TEDx talk. You can find that out there. And I wrote a book for college students, helping them navigate the healthcare system. Um, that's available on Amazon. You can also find that on my website. 
Um, but yeah, I, I would love for your listeners to engage with me. I would say Facebook is probably my primary platform. Okay. I'm trying on Instagram, <laughs> but <It's>... Facebook is a <laughs> Facebook is my primary social media platform, and and LinkedIn as well. Now, do you have a scheduled time where you typically go on and talk on Facebook, or is it just? Oh yes. Thank you. Yes. So every Monday night at eight o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I have a show called Navigator Nuggets on Facebook Live. And then those videos are being uploaded to my YouTube channel. So, yeah, I, I invite your audience to join me Monday nights at eight o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. And, you know, we for since March 2nd, every single episode has been devoted to coronavirus. Um, and mm. I guess I'll continue that for now, you know, <laughs> but with a twist, always, always. Um, you know, focusing on how individuals can navigate the healthcare system. So we've talked about what to do if you lost your health insurance as a result of coronavirus. We've talked about caregivers, you know, and like you mentioned, no visitors. So how do you effectively advocate remotely when mm. you can't be at that bedside? Ooh, that's so, a good one. Very good yeah, one. Yeah. So those are some of the topics we've covered so far. All right. Thank you again, Dr. Nicole. Thank you for um, such an amazing episode. Uh, again, uh, lunch learning community members, make sure you follow her. Um, again, she's, she's great. Great person to listen to. Uh, especially if, if you're about, again, if you're about what we about here in the lunch learning community, right? When you're trying to empower yourself, uh, make sure that your health is the number one priority, especially with, when a global pandemic is around us and it's causing a lot more people to really like, I really need to make sure my health, like the amount of people who are suddenly like, enthralled with their health care and want to make sure, you know, their health is their wealth. Like the again, however you come to us, uh, we welcome you with open arms. So we'll, we'll just say that. Now we've been waiting. That's for right. <laughs> <laughs> Nicole, Dr. Nicole, thank you again for uh, joining us here on the Lynch and Learn community. Thank you. This was great. Thank you for coming to the end of the episode. It is your truly Dr. Barry Pierre. I want to give my undying thanks to you for your support just getting to the end of the episode means that you at least enjoyed today's episode hope you were empowered by today's episode please remember to share this episode with at least two people that you know that would be greatly affected if they did not listen to today's episode and if you have not already done so subscribe to the podcast leave us a five-star review especially on apple Podcasts or wherever you can leave a review leave a review there because your support is so 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 valuable for what we're doing here on the lynch learn and everything with pierre medical consulting and if you have not done so go ahead and join the listserv to join the listserv is very easy just grab your phone right now i'll pause join the listserv you want to text lunch learn pod this is all gonna be one word lunch learn pod to 44222 and you'll be on the listserv you'll know exactly when new episodes are coming out you'll know about new episodes before they actually come out because i usually tell my listserv members hey this is what i'm working on this are the guests that you should expect to hear for the week on thanks guys you have a blessed day and i'm gonna see you guys next week